Hello, hello, hello. This is Aiden Taco Jones, and you're listening to Coffee is What Happens When You're Busy Making Plans. Man, I, I cannot believe that it's only been a week since the last episode. That's insane. Travel really distorts your ideas of time, huh? It feels like, oh my God, I feel like I've lived... I feel like I've lived a thousand lives, traveled the seas and flown through the skies since last we shared company. Uh, it's, it feels like it's been longer than a week, to be honest. But um, oh, how am I feeling right now? I'm feeling... I feel like I haven't felt 100% like my body... Maybe it's the travel or maybe it's just being in Asia, eating different food, keeping weird hours maybe... Have I been drinking? I haven't been drinking that much. I don't know. I haven't felt completely at 100% in... Uh, definitely not in Singapore, man. Singapore... I'm in Singapore right now. And uh, it's a weird city. I don't know. Like, the the, my, uh, the only idea of Singapore that I went into uh, this trip with was uh, a friend of mine who went to international schools in India and Singapore said that when she was at school in Singapore, in high school, for a few years, uh, her mum said she didn't like the kind of person who she was becoming going to school in Singapore, quite, I guess, like, superficial, and, um, like, Mean Girls is my conception of it, you know? Like that movie, Mean Girls. It was like, she described herself as kind of being, you know, like, in that way, and that's the person who she was becoming when she went to an international school in Singapore. So her mum sent her back to India to do school in India rather than stay in Singapore and do that because it was making her into a bad person. So that was the idea of Singapore that I had when I came into it. And I mean, look, fair play to Singapore, the airport and everything in the city, like the airport, the first thing you see, this Changi airport and then the Changi Jewel, which is this like huge... Uh, indoor waterfall that apparently costs like $2 billion, this whole like air, indoor rainforest waterfall thing and, and it's like a mall. It's incredible. And um, and then the city itself, driving into the city and there's just all this greenery and flowers and it feels like being in a rainforest. It feels like if, if Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur especially, I mean that's the only place I went to in Malaysia, but if... If that, that definitely feels like a city in the middle of a rainforest, but in a kind of dirty way, you know, like there's rats, all the stuff, like everything's broken and the pavements and shit. And it feels like, it feels like it's, the city has kind of been overgrown by the rainforest. And then you compare that with Singapore and it feels like the city and the rainforest are like one thing. It feels like the city is the, I don't know. I, I don't know if that makes sense, but it feels like the forest is a lot... It's it's tamed here. It's more civilized. But then, like... And that's great, and it looks beautiful. And some of the buildings here with the... Like, blended in with the, um, with the greenery is incredible. But because of that, it doesn't feel as authentic. It feels kind of fake. And... Uh, yeah, there's... I don't know. There's something to... I, I mean, c- coupled with... Fuck, it's so expensive here. It's insanely expensive here. I've been telling everyone this, but the first round that I got, I thought living in London that I was fine with expensive things, you know? I thought that I'd paid the most that I was ever going to pay for a drink. And, 
I came here and uh, my boy Kyle Legacy was talking to a girl after the show. So I was like, you know, we the three of us went to this bar and I was like, I'll go to the bar and I'll get the round. And it was two beers and a gin and like a, a gin with a mixer for, for the girl. And uh, I give him my card, my Monzo card, which is a UK card. And it tells me when like on my phone, it, like whenever I put a payment through, it comes up on my phone. It's like, you paid this. And, um, I just, get, I don't look at the bill. I'm like, I, ah, you know, people have said, oh, it's going to be expensive, but I'm like, ah, it'll be whatever. It'll be however much it's going to be. And then as I'm paying the bill, some guy comes over and he's like, oh, do you want me to take the drinks to the table? And I'm like, no, 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 please, sir. I'll take the, I'm getting into calling people sir, by the way. That's a bit of fun. Call, call someone sir. <laughs> no, sir. Thank you, sir. <laughs> um, I think it's from staying in all those five-star hotels in fucking Phuket and Yangon that it's just like people calling you sir and then I'm just like maybe I'll start calling people sir <laughs> like that's gonna that's gonna bring me financial security if I just <laughs> all of the verbal trappings of high society and suddenly I've got a fucking Bentley um this guy comes up to me in the bar and he's like oh you know do you wanna I'll take your drinks to the table and I'm like sir please no I'll take the drinks to the table. I'm <laughs> and then my phone pings because I've just paid the thing and I pull it up. 38 pounds. 38 pounds for two pints of beer and a fucking a gin. 38 pounds. That's 70 Australian dollars. I mean... Like, I had to sit down. I couldn't stop talking about it. I... I must have brought it up five or six times in the in the like 40 minutes that it took me to drink that beer with my friend because I mean I just you know I was like there's no way I'm drinking this in one go but also I kind of wanted to drink it quick because I was trying to get out of this so that Kyle could be alone with this girl um who he did not end up kissing uh, by the way which is so funny <laughs> I spent 38 pounds trying to wingman my mate <laughs> he couldn't even get it done what an idiot <laughs> so i would expect myself to be actually kind of annoyed by that but i'm not i think that's great i i think there's no argument there i gave i was i was fully behind the cause i gave everything to try and make that happen and it didn't happen um so it's not it's not my fault it's all his fault do you know what i mean yeah you guys know what I mean. So, that's Singapore, man. And, like, even just you can't, like, I mean, because it's very sweaty. And it feels like, like, there are a lot of weird laws here. I've heard about the, like, the chewing gum thing is one. But I've I've heard that people still chew gum and it's not a huge deal. But even just stuff like, um, like, there are, like, illegal gatherings. Like, Jinx Yo, who's the best comedian in uh, Asia as far as I'm concerned. Um has a great joke about uh, you couldn't do, um, what is it? You couldn't have Les Mis and then he sings a Les Mis song, but he like, you know, with all Singaporean punchlines. And one of the punchlines is more than three people is an illegal gathering. And I haven't checked the veracity of that. I don't know if that's an actual law, but that's the kind of vibe that it's like, like I've watched some stuff on YouTube about Singapore and it's like, there's a lot of laws restricting speech you can't say things against the government you can't say things uh homosexuality is banned 
like homosexual sex, I think, is is against the law. And um, the craziest thing was the Merry Lion Comedy Club, which is where I've been doing all my gigs this weekend. Uh, I've got one tonight at Comedy Masala, which is a separate venue. But all the other ones, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then last night on Monday, all at the Merry Lion. And it's a great club. And oh my God, Saturday night was a fantastic show. Like 60, 70 people. And then a second show afterwards, the Heckle Show, where Legacy was just like going nuts, giving out shots like crazy. When, uh, whenever anyone heckled, it would give them a shot. Oh, it was so much fun. And this club is so great, right? But it's not even technically really supposed to be operating. It's registered as a cafe with the government. And there are these government people who can come into the club at any moment and, and check what's being said. And if they don't like what's being said, they can just pull the license and shut the club down. And it's not like that's a remote... Oh, yeah, they could, but they won't. No, apparently that's happened to two other clubs in Singapore in recent memory. So, it's a beautiful city, but, I mean, it feels fucked compared to, like, you know, Malaysia, which, all right, it was still apparently, like, quite a, a, a kind of authoritarian state. But in English, they don't really care over there. If you speak in Malay, yeah, you can't say stuff. But in English, they're like, well, that's not Malay, and we're only really focused on native culture and and like what malay people are saying about the country so if you're speaking english no one gives a fuck over there whereas here it just feels like such a shame because they could like this is a city of and a country but a city of five million people and it's quite small and dense and they could support a a vibrant comedy scene here but with the government the way it is they never will because if it ever gets to a point where you know, it's actually a big thing. The government will just shut it down because they like to keep tight control over people's freedoms, which is why, I don't know. It's kind of mind-blowing to think about. Um, I want to talk about the coffee in uh, in Yangon first, though, because that was... Uh, yeah, yeah, I will. And then I've got a bit of a story about Singapore. Um, I was in Yangon in Myanmar. That place was... Man, that was like a proper third world country. The uh, Sammy, our tour manager, who um, uh, who was like our person on the ground over there, she lived there for five years. And some of the stuff she was telling us was crazy. Like she's British and she lives in, uh, I can't remember where she lives. No, she lives in Bangkok now, I think. Another country in Asia. But like she said, Yangon was like, when she got there, there was no mobiles. There was no internet in the country. But also she said there were like three bars that her and her friends would go to. So you would just go, if you wanted to meet your friends, you wouldn't call them or anything. You would just go to one of the bars. And if no one was there, then you would go to the other one. And then you would go to the third one. She said when she first got a mobile, like, like so in her five years stay, she said um, she first got one after like a couple years. And the SIM card cost 100 US dollars because that's how rare they were. And no one had mobile. And now they're like 2 US dollars to get. Like that's how quickly this country has gone from being completely closed off to technology to now suddenly just, you know, they opened the floodgates, man. And now it's like there are all these mobile providers, there's Wi-Fi everywhere. And uh, I did my my typical Google search, specialty coffee, uh, just trying to find somewhere to go. And there was a little list of like top coffee places. 
in uh, in Yangon, and none of them seemed. There was only one place that seemed like it was actually going to be a coffee place. Like there was one place that was called uh, Easy and Gentleman Coffee Roasters, and the rest of them were like, there was like a Dutch, you know, like Dutch cuisine with a bit of coffee, or like, like, or there was one when the write up was literally like, um, this is a place where you can get Starbucks level coffee, but it's an independent place. I was like, I don't want to go to fucking off brand Starbucks like home brand Starbucks in Yangon, why, but then again, actually, I get indignant at that idea, and yet here I am going to, trying to find, like, Australian-style coffee shops in foreign cities, all right, I just, that felt weird, though, that was just like, why would I, how's that a selling point, come to Starbucks, but it's not called Starbucks, it's called, like, Starbucks, you know, (laughs) um, but I found this place, Easy Gentleman, Easy and Gentleman Coffee Roasters. I think the cafe is called Easy, and then Gentleman Coffee Roasters is like maybe a separate business owned by the same people or whatever. But they share the space, so the cafe shares the space with the roastery to the point where like I sat down and the roaster was literally next to my table, and there were like a couple umbrellas hanging off it. And uh, it didn't look gr- like the street. Like we were staying in a five star hotel, but you walk out of the hotel and you're immediately in, you know, like dirty third world streets. Um, and I don't say dirty in a bad way. I say dirty in a fun way. I don't know. It didn't feel dangerous, but it like, yeah, it just, yeah, it was not a, it didn't feel like a, um, like a well-kept city, you know, but it did feel more like a Western city because there was a grid. So that was interesting. There was like a grid. The roads are set up in grids. So you walk down the street and you're like, oh, I'm in the central area right now. But then all of these colonial era buildings are like falling into disrepair and there's mold. Oh my God, the mold on the outside of the building's crazy, you know? And I walk down the street on the way to this cafe and there's like people selling street food and weird tubs of oil and like stray dogs and stuff. And I get to this coffee shop and it doesn't look different to anything else, which I've gotten used to the cafes in Asia that I'm looking for having a bit more of a, like they're like an oasis of Westernness outside of the rest of the, you know, gritty Asianness of, um, of these cities of like the poor, like, you know, the poorness basically. And, uh, I get to this place and it doesn't look any different. And there's like bags of coffee beans strewn around the place because they're sharing the space with the roastery. And, uh, and they don't take card as well. And I don't have any, uh, I don't have any, I can't even remember what their currency was called. I don't have any of their Myanmar fucking, <laughs> I was about to say something so condescending. I don't have any of their little Myanmar play monies. That's <laughs> what it felt like, man. I changed it. So I had my Malaysian ringgit and I had to find a money changer. So I went to one place, but he didn't change ringgit. And then I went to another place and they finally changed it. And for my... 100 Malaysian ringgit, which is like, uh, how much is that? Like, like, like $50, I think. Maybe. Wait, let me think. Uh, yeah, 50 US dollars. Whatever that is. It's 50 US dollars, and I got 33,000 Myanmar boys. <laughs> Little Myanmar men. 33,000. And, uh, that made me think, I wonder if anyone's ever thought of this, you know, you could go to, like, because these money changers are just, like, on the side of the street, and it's, like, dirty streets, and I don't know why dirty keeps springing to mind, but what I'm trying to say is it's not, there's no, like, cameras and all the other stuff that you get in a first world country, you know, like, security, all that kind of stuff, it's just a dude behind a counter 
with a bunch of money out back somewhere that someone brings him. And uh, I was like, how easy would it be to just print a bunch of counterfeit money? I'm not going to do this. If any police are listening, I didn't do it. But like, how easy would it be to print a bunch of counterfeit money in a vaguely obscure country like Malaysian ringgit or like fucking, I don't know, like, like Danish kroner that they wouldn't, they, they wouldn't have ever fucking seen some Danish kroner before and take it there and change it for the local currency. And then you've got a bunch of currency and they're not going to check it. What are they, how are they going to check it as if they've got, as if he's got to hold it up to the light. Like he knows what to look for. He's never seen that fucking currency before. That's a great scam to be honest. And if anyone has the facilities capable of, of perpetrating that scam, I want nothing to do with you. I'm a law-abiding citizen, and uh, <laughs> if the police are actually listening to this podcast, that's awesome. That's great. That means I'm getting a bit of reach. That's lovely. Anyway, so I go to this cafe, and uh, I was very pleasantly surprised, man. I, I don't know if I didn't expect that much because it was like where it was, or I was like, surely they don't have the resources to be making amazing coffee and great food, but I got the local, th- like, here's the stuff that I got, I got something called the Devil's Curry Chicken with paratha and steamed rice, and it was so good, and it came in, like, little separate bowls, it was, like, the rice, and there's a little bowl of curry, and, like, all stuff sprinkled on top, I got, um, I had a V60, something from a place called Hopong in Shan State, it was in Myanmar, it won the um, 2019 Myanmar coffee competition, which evidently is a very new thing. And it was super exciting even just to be in this place. They had like six, um, six like posters on the walls of different farms and like the, the individual people who like operate these farms, you know? And it feels like the coffee scene in Myanmar is like, it's like a nascent scene. It's like just starting out and that cafe was like the very beginning of it. Like maybe if I go back in five years, there might be 10 cafes there and all the people at those cafes would be like, remember Easy was the first one, you know? That's what it felt like. It felt like I was there at the start of a thing. It was very exciting. Um, the coffee was fantastic. They do all this other kind of shit, man. They do like nitro coffee, affogatos, coffee, mac- uh, what is it? No, coffee mocktail. Oh, they had a thing on the front of their menu called an avocaffeinated one word, it's an avocado milkshake and a double espresso. I was not brave enough to get it. I only saw it once I got my V60 and I was like, but the point is they're doing some weird shit, man. They're throwing shit at the wall and seeing what'll stick. It was very exciting. And um, anyway, that was that experience during the day. And then I went, we did the gig at night and I met this guy. I really wish I could tell this story better, but basically I met a guy who uh, I think was, he was American and he was working as like security, like a private security in the north of Myanmar. I don't know if he was fighting or if he was just providing security for private companies, but he was talking about this thing called the Wa State up there, which is like uh, an extremist Muslim, I think, state. And they were, um, Oh, they're like, they just perpetrated like a huge massacre like a few years ago in Myanmar. And uh, it sounds awful, right? But it was insane. I was talking to this guy and he goes up there regularly and like deals with this kind of stuff. And I'm like, that's what the, like, okay. He was talking about how, um, 
so like he does reports to these private companies, right, who have interests in the area to so that because they want to know how these conflicts are going to affect their interests, like their factories or whatever. And uh, I was like, that's super interesting that you're the person liaising between basically what is on the ground in this conflict and then some huge multinational corporation, right? And um, I asked him, what's the what kind of information are you giving them? You know, like what do you say? You just like rock up with a meeting at, at a meeting with some dude, and you're just like, yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like, do they want anecdotes? Do they want stats, figures? Like, what do they want? Yes, you can't like sir you've been on the ground for two weeks in the north of Myanmar what do you think oh it's so bad man it's so fucked <laughs> it's like don't go there dude I, I wouldn't bother <laughs> is that the vibe or is it like do you have to give a bunch of exact figures like x amount of meters lost to rebel insurgents or what and he said <laughs> <laughs> he said um, that what these companies are interested in more than the the facts and figures is the color, and what he meant by color was, he said like I could tell you there have been 150 fires in in this one area in the last six months, you know, and you're like, all right, great, what does that mean? And he goes, well, I could tell you that the Coca-Cola factory burned down, and that suddenly is like. Oh, 150 fires. It's like, what does that mean? But the Coke factory burned down. You're like, oh, that's how bad. That gives you an idea of how bad the conflict is that a huge company like Coca-Cola couldn't defend their interests in the area because that's how fucked it is. Anyway, I spoke to that guy for like fucking, I don't know, half an hour, 45 minutes talking about that. I wouldn't. Oh, I wish I had two microphones and I'm going to buy two microphones so I can have someone like that on the podcast. And talk- Oh my God, that would have been incredible. But um, that was so mind-blowing to realize that's what they're dealing with in Myanmar and the fact that there's that in the same country as there's like Yangon and this huge westernization exploding in a f- in like a five-year period where they didn't have mobile phones and now they've got Wi-Fi in a coffee shop, you know? And it's like a western... Co- I don't know. That was incredible, man. That felt very cool to be in that coffee shop. As much as like... The vibe wasn't there. It wasn't like, you know, somewhere where I'd sit in Melbourne or whatever and there was like stuff all over the floors, like coffee beans all over the floors. But that, it was like a good kind of chaos. It was like a homely kind of chaos, you know? And it was like the kind of place where it felt like these people, like you've got to care about the thing that you're doing if you're going to try and do it in that kind of environment. That was amazing. Um, and then I come to Singapore and it's like, you know... It's, it's beautiful, but it's like I said before, it doesn't feel like there's that passion here. Singapore feels sterile. It feels sanitized and sterile. And I went looking for... Because I've been talking about, like, you know, coffee and these Western coffee shops that I'm looking for almost being like a tool of colonialism. And it's like, it's, it's like making the same coffee shop the world over is a way of erasing these local cultures, kind of. Do I care about that or am I just pretending to care about that because I know it's an important thing to care about? I really don't have an intuitive understanding of why gentrification is bad, but coffee shops are definitely a part of that gentrification and it's a global trend now. And Singapore... So I did a bit of research into Singapore. The two cafes that were in my book were Nylon, which I haven't visited yet, and I don't think I will, to be honest, because it sounds like... 
it's just a very good coffee shop in a city full of very good coffee shops. And then there was another one. And just a second, I need to get my book. Oh, the other one was called, I think, Nanyang. Let's have a little look here. Nanyang Old Coffee. And uh, here was the description in the book, right? This piqued my interest. Uh, it's a quote from someone. It says, My love and I were vacationing and stumbled across this place in Chinatown while exploring temples. The coffee here is traditional style, served with sweetened condensed milk and evaporated milk. The bonuses, it also boasts a small coffee museum documenting Malay coffee history and serves delicious kaya toast. Bronwyn Cerner. That was all the information that I had about this place. And the other place, Nylon, just like... Best quality, best variety, small and comfortable, super small, tiny but incredibly light feel, blah, 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 like, whatever. That's, that all sounds like I've fucking been to that coffee shop before. But this Nanyang place, I'm like, there's a museum? Give me a fucking museum, man. So I go to this place and the museum... <laughs> what an absolutely lackluster experience that was. I mean, it was really like... Just, uh, there, there was like a Chinese lady sitting down in some room and uh, she just was ignoring me, you know, like she was doing, I guess she worked there and she was like doing the books or something. She was just writing in some big ledger and uh, there's like a few shelves on the wall with like little cards explaining what the items on the show, oh, there's like, you know, traditional Singapore sweets are like this and we color them like this and I'm like, I fucking don't care at all about any of this stuff. But there was one thing, a little metal, uh, like, coffee maker thingy, and it explained how they used to put, like, a sock inside this and uh, grind up the coffee, chuck it in the sock, hot water. So it's kind of like an immersion, you know? Like, you just pour the hot water over the coffee, and then this bit of cloth keeps the coffee from going out into the rest of the water. So you've got your coffee. And that was like, okay, that's interesting. And I'd already been to, um, I'd been to a place called Common, what was it, The Common Man? which was amazing and they had all these different kinds of specialty coffee and I was like, okay, I've had that. Let me have a traditional one and I expected it to be like European coffee or like shitty coffee, you know, just like dark, burnt. Did a bit of research. What they actually do to these coffee beans is... Um, so in the 18... At the start of the 1800s when settlers came from Europe and Asia, when they opened up the borders of Singapore, settlers came from Europe and Asia and the European settlers brought coffee over but they couldn't grow Arabica coffee, this like variety of coffee that everyone was used to. So they had to grow Robusta because it suits the climate better in Singapore, but it doesn't taste as good. And so they started roasting it in woks um, with butter and like sugar. So they would coat these beans in butter and sugar. So they're really dark, but they're kind of sweet. So when you grind them up and chuck them in the thing, you don't need to, there's not a lot of the natural flavor, like the terroir, you know, like the, like people talk about like with wine, the where it's grown affects the flavor. And the same thing is true with coffee. If it's a if it's a really like I don't know anything about coffee roasting, right? But <laughs> I wonder if anyone is as interested in this as I am right now. Because I'm fucking very interested in this. Basically, the new wave hipster style of coffee is like you roast the coffee to bring out the qualities that it has from like where it's grown, you know, the part of the world that it's grown in the soil and that's how you get the flavors. But this style was like, we don't care about that. We're just trying to make the coffee keep for a long time 
and improve the flavor because it's robusta. It's got a shitty flavor. So they coated it with butter and sugar and roasted it like that. And then when you put it in this fucking sock thing, it's like sweet and like kind of, I don't know, it was almost like honey. Like it was way better than European coffee is what I'm saying. And then I found this whole, there's this whole Singapore coffee culture um, where they have these things called Kopi Tiams, right? And it's like the neighborhood coffee store. Um, they're kind of like, they're kind of like workers' cafes. Like, they'd be for the working class and whole neighborhoods would develop where, like, this was the meeting place for everyone, right? And in the 1830s, the government banned gambling and so a lot of these places became, like, underworld hubs for fucking gambling and shit. And I looked up this one place called Tong Ah and it was from the 1920s. It used to have a false wall in the back of the cafe that you would, like, walk through... You would, like, fucking... They would move it and you would walk in and then you could go and gamble in there. And then in the front, it was just, like, a cafe for workers and stuff. And, uh... So I'm getting all excited, finding out all this history, sitting in Nanyang, reading about gangsters and the Singaporean underworld and ma 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 And I read this story about Tonga, this old Kopitiam, and I'm like, all right, got to go there. i got to see this place. Maybe the wall's still there? Crazy. And then I read... That in 2013, because of gentrification and because of the street that it's on, this beautiful old three-story Art Deco building that that Tonga had existed in from the 1920s, four generations of, of, of guys running it, in 2013 they had to move out to a place down the road, like four doors down and just across the road to a different place because they couldn't afford to stay there anymore because they owned their spot but the owners of the building were just like nah fuck that we're going to put some new shit in the building that's going to make more money for us and and we can charge more rent (sighs) and that sucks and that's like I went so I went I went to Tonga uh, yesterday actually and uh, and I had some Kaya toast and I had uh, I had a cold Kopi, they call it kopi. That's like their coffee. So there's all these different ways of saying like kopi or kopi, ah, whatever, different. And that's like different ratios of evaporated milk and condensed milk and whatever. There's like a million different variations that you can have. And each one has like a little nickname, um, which is a lot of fun. So you have to like learn the nickname of your coffee to order it if you want it like that, you know, which I guess is a lot like Australian coffee culture, really. Anyway, I went to this place, Tonga, and I had the Kaya toast was fantastic with like these big slabs of butter in the middle of the toast and uh and i had my iced coffee and it tasted very nice and i read some articles on the front about uh that day in 2013 when they moved across and i was like let me see this art deco building where it used to be and i walked down the street and it's literally like fucking it's like four doors down and then across the street and i just couldn't help but think like this guy who's running this place tonga now and the dude's like 60 you know some old singaporean man whose family ran that old place for four generations since the 1920s has has to because that because of just money shit and gentrification and and the globalization the globalized what's the fucking word I'm looking for the globalizing trend of places just becoming the same you know everywhere wants to be like the new hipster place we want to have the place like Australia and England and and America it's all going to be the same so that the global upper class can have the same place wherever they go because of that, this guy's had to move from that place for four generations down the road. But he's still so close that every day he can walk out the front of his shop and look at that fucking place. Look at that building where, 
where his family made coffee for fucking almost a hundred years. He has to look at it and see some fucking some fucking cunt restaurant there. God damn it. That really bummed me out, man. And uh, I'm I feel quite conflicted in in like what I'm looking for now, like, cause I'm, you know, I'm trying to find the, the perfect cafe, right? That's the whole point of this thing. I love drinking coffee and sitting in cafes. So let's try and find cafes all around the world. But now I'm thinking, well, if I'm in finding cafes all around the world, am I contributing to the displacement of this fucking guy from his home? <sighs> yeah. And I mean, anyway, look, <laughs> His play, his coffee was fine. I think the milk was a bit thick, and I don't know about milk from other countries. It, I've always been a bit suspicious. I used to drink when I moved to the UK. I think the milk there made me sick for like six months. Every time I drank milk, I couldn't deal with it until after a while. Maybe my stomach got used to it or something. I don't know if that's a real thing, but I just milk from other countries. I don't really trust it. And the coffee, I did feel a little bit sick after drinking that coffee. And I went down the road to a place called Populous. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is, which is uh, straight out of the textbook, fucking like exactly what the kind of place that I'm used to. And I got a chicken salad with noodles, and it was damn good. It was damn good. <laughs> and uh, I didn't even have a coffee there, but like, do you know what I mean? Like, I totally, I felt conflicted for a second, and I was like, oh, this poor old man being kicked out of his home. But I'm. I still fancy feeling comfortable in the place that I normally go. So fuck you, old man. I'm going down the road to your competitor. <laughs> I don't know, dude. Fucking whatever. All right. I'm trying to be. I'm. Tr I'm trying to get a little bit of history in here and uh, educate myself about the history of these places. And I know, like some of the some of the news stories written by locals in the newspapers that they had stuck to the windows at the new. Tonga location were really lamenting the loss of the the loss of the history you know they were saying there was one that was saying like I've, I feel bad for our children who are growing up in Singapore and they don't know what their history is you know because you want to preserve some of these places so they can go there and see how their culture used to be a hundred years ago and uh, so I'm trying to learn a little bit about that but I still I fucking I love a good cup of coffee man <laughs> I just I want my fucking long black or V60 and I want it how I like it, not how some old Singaporean man likes it. So I don't know what to do. I'm not going to change my behavior, to be honest, but it's nice to talk about and learn those stories and feel sad a little bit in the moment. Um, that's been the podcast, you guys. I hope you've enjoyed it. If you have any recommendations, next up, I'm in Bangkok this week uh, for about a week. I'm also going to Koh Samui. Wasn't planning on it, but I picked up a gig in Koh Samui, which is lovely. So uh, two more cities this week. And yeah, next time I do the pod, I'll be about to go to France, to Paris. Oh, hope you guys are having a good week, man. I'm actually feeling a lot better after that. That feels very nice to talk about that that crazy story. This has been the pod. I'm Aiden Taco Jones. Uh, thank you very much for listening to Coffee Is What Happens When You're Busy Making Plans. Peace. She had the thirst for knowledge She studied sculpture at St. Martin's College That's what I
And then in 30 seconds time She said I wanna live like common people I wanna do whatever common people do Wanna sleep with common people I wanna sleep with common people like you What else could I do? I said oh, I'll see what I can do I took her to a supermarket I don't know why but I had to start it somewhere So it started there I said pretend you've got no money And she just laughed and said Oh you're so funny I said yeah I can't see anyone else smiling here Are you sure? You wanna live like common people Wanna see whatever common people see Wanna sleep with common people You wanna sleep with common people like me But she didn't understand And she just smiled and held my Cause there's nothing else to do